Um, and so, uh, yeah, so that, I thought that was kind of fun, right? If you did pictures like that today, that I would not consider that cool. Uh, then there was this one. I thought that was kind of like, what? Somebody was like, at some point thought, everybody should get up on that tree. And straddle it. And straddle it. And, yeah. Yeah, awkward family photo. No, these are not mine. But I expect you all to send me some. So this I just thought was fun. Because the... The, the stat- girl kind of looks like Sophie Miles. Yeah, she does a little bit. But it's just the fact that they're so cool. They're just so cool. But the fact that they all wore sunglasses and a future so bright. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, gotta wear shades. Gotta wear shades. That's fun. And then this one, I just thought was, uh, I just thought, wow. Okay. Yeah. No, that was definitely meant to be weird, but it's still weird. They might think they're cool. You never know. I'm sure they think they're cool. Um, but uh, yeah, so there's that. So, so in the future, I will put in some of ours, but I really want you to put in some of yours. So please email them to me. So again, we're working on this hypothesis that ministry relies on relationships, and therefore practical lessons are to be learned from the relationships of those in the hall of faith in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And, and one of the you know key verses here, Romans 14, 7, for none, for, none, uh, for none of us liveth unto himself, and no man dieth to himself. Our efforts, our actions impact and are impacted by others. So today, we're going to look at the faith family portrait of, you know, awkward family portrait. Oh, thank you, Annie. Um, awkward family portrait moment of Cain and Abel, right? So I'm sure at some point there was a better family portrait. I realize they didn't have cameras and they weren't painting, but I'm sure at some point Adam and Eve and and Cain and Abel were were, were standing next to each other and everybody was smiling, etc. But at some point this image uh, or something similar to it occurred. So so let's spend some time uh, looking at this uh, relationship and and uh, you know this imp- uh, the impact of a proper relationship with God. There can be what I'll call collateral damage with a proper relationship with God, and we'll we'll uh, we'll dissect that in our time remaining. So, by Hebrews eleven four, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, uh, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it being dead, yet speaketh. And so we have to spend some time back in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord, and she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but Cain, unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Well, why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother, and Abel his brother, and slew him. So we see that relationships are born of situations, 
okay? In this situation, they're brothers. And we'll see all sorts of different relationships as we go through this uh, in, in Hebrews uh, 11. We're going to see father-son relationships. We'll see husband-and-wife relationships. We'll see uh, spy-type relationships. We'll see uh, situations, you know, all, all different types of relationships, leadership situations. But in this situation, early on in our study here, we're seeing brothers. So we're going to look at who they were, what they offered, where they stood, and how that affected them. So who they were. So, and, and I'll try to, to point out the underlined words. I think you'll, you'll figure them out. But uh, their, their relationships were born of situations was the, the first one. So who they were, well, they were brothers. But there's even some possibility that they were twins. Okay, there's some possibility. We know that Cain was the older brother because it specifically says he was born first. And that Abel was the younger brother because he was born second. But the wording in the wording in Genesis is very interesting in the sense it said that Adam knew his wife and she conceived and bare Cain and again and she again bare his brother Abel without describing the second knowing or the second conception. So it's at least possible, I'm just dabbling that out, that they were twins. Uh, but nonetheless, Cain is the older and Abel is the younger. The only reason I put that out there is because I do think these relationships the um, sometimes when we see it in um, in later in the book of Genesis with uh, Joseph, the older brethren sometimes despise the younger brethren when there is uh, a connection with the Lord, right? And Cain was a tiller of the ground, whereas Abel was a keeper of the sheep. And I would argue, I put question mark here, but I would argue that it's harder work to till the ground and, and grow crops than it is to, to tend to sheep or <clears throat> keep, uh, keep sheep. Now, there are times when either of them are easier and times when either of them are harder. But I've had the opportunity, I think I've shared with you all before that uh, for, a, for a summer I worked at uh, Missouri Town, 1855. And so we managed uh, crops and we managed livestock uh, the way they did in the mid 1800s, not certainly not you know 4000 BC, so to speak. But the point is, I would much rather have a day working with animals than I would tilling the ground. I mean, we're, I've, I've had the opportunity to, to plow behind a horse. I've had the opportunity to pull weeds. I've had an opportunity to, 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 um, to harvest, even with the, the technology that was as significantly advanced from this point. Uh, and I would choose keep, keeping sheep all day long. Uh, so there are times when you know birthing an animal or times when you're dealing with the sickness or times when they're caught or, or fighting back and, and plants don't do that i get it uh, but generally speaking i would argue that this was a was harder work but notice in uh and go ahead and turn to genesis because we're going to have a lot of references here in, in for a few seconds or a few minutes uh in genesis but <clears throat> So, so they both followed their father uh, in their kind of work, their trade, which kind of makes sense, right? I mean, they're, they're, there's only so many things you could do. But, but Abel, I'm sorry, Cain rather, was following his father of Genesis 12 or 2.15. And the Lord God took the man, Adam, obviously, and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and keep it, to be the husbandman of the garden. Whereas Abel follows his father really from verses 19 through 20. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field 
and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them and whatsoever Adam called uh, every living creature that was the name thereof and Adam gave names to the all cattle and the fowl of the air and the, uh, every beast of the field uh, but for Adam there was not found in help meat for him and there's additional <clears throat> you know reference about having dominion over all the earth even over the over the animals so you could make the argument both of them were following that which their father had taught them right um Cain works in that which was cursed according to Genesis 3 17 and verse 17 to 19 <clears throat> And unto Adam, he, God said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree which thou, uh, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth unto thee, and thou shalt eat uh, the herb of the field, and in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou, uh, thou wast taken, for the dust thou art, and unto dust thou uh, uh, shalt thou return uh, whereas Abel works in that which was used by God in um, Genesis 3:21, and Adam and unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make them coats of skins and clothe them so literally there was a pattern established here a very important pattern that while Adam and Eve took to themselves uh, leaves sewn together it was a sacrifice of an animal that covered them. So both Cain and Abel had these pictures in front of them that they could follow, right? And it's certainly easy to see in hindsight, really easy for us to see in hindsight, that, the, that Abel chose correctly, right? Um, and I don't want to overly, be overly dramatic that Cain chose wrong, right? Uh, because I think we'll we'll see some reasons that 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 has some, you know. I think it's re I've read a lot of commentaries, a few commentaries rather on this, and everybody paints that Abel's sacrifice or his offering rather was that of faith, and Cain's was that of works. I get it. There's biblical support to that, and we'll see some of those references. But I think it's really hard to to be unfair to Cain early on when he's doing something that his father um, and something God even told them was going to, he was going to have to do. So this does bring us to our relationship rule number one is who you are creates filters by which you define yourself and others. Um, you know, if we had more time, I would ask you to pull out a piece of paper and write 10 uh, nouns that describe who you are. I am a blank. I am a blank. And do that 10 times and you will define who you are. Right? So I was just having a conversation with Del Thomas about some of the just ongoing social issues and the, uh, and the racial issues and those types of things. And, and we're trying to have an ongoing uh, dialogue about a couple of things. And, uh, you know, he, he referenced, I am a Christian before I'm an American or a, before I'm a black man. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's, it's really important. It's interesting because... Look, Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Like, they had an identity, right? It, it doesn't say Abel kept sheep and Cain tilled the ground. That is their identity, okay? And I think that's important in why Cain gets so frustrated. Uh, look at what Paul describes himself. He describes himself as a debtor, 
right? And there's some other references, but listen to these, some of these examples. Genesis 6, 9, Noah was a just man. Genesis 25, 27, Esau was a cunning hunter and Jacob was a plain man. Genesis 39, 2, Joseph was a prosperous man. I, I'm, I'm splitting some scriptures together within the verse, but um, Judges 11, 1, Jephthah, was a mighty man of valor and he was a son of a harlot. Like scripture defines people by who they are. Okay, this is this is ongoing. First Samuel 25:3, Nabal was churlish and evil in his doings, but his wife Abigail was a woman of good understanding and a beautiful countenance. Sam Second Samuel 13:3, Jonadab was a very subtle man. Second Samuel 14:27, Tamar was a woman of fair countenance. Second Samuel 20 and 26, Ira was a chief ruler. Jonathan in 1 Chronicles 27 was a count, David's uncle, was a counselor, a wise man, and a scribe. Uzziah was the, the king was a leper in 2 Chronicles 26. And in John 18, 40, when the, when the Jews choose Barabbas, it says, now Barabbas was a robber. Like, who, what you are is defined. There are terms that define you. And so you have to, th these create filters by which we interact, okay? And it's really an important concept. Now, what they offered, look at this, and we'll, again, we'll just contrast this. Cain was uh, offered the fruit of the ground, and that, that which was supposed to be consumed, we actually saw that in Genesis 3, that man was supposed to consume that. That's what he was commanded to eat of, right? He was supposed to till the ground. So in his mind, I would argue, this was a sacrifice. That giving to God, this offering of the first fruits, was in fact a sacrifice. It would be argued as an incomplete sacrifice at best in Leviticus 2, and obviously we don't have the time to go into it, but did you know that it was acceptable to present the fruit of the ground to God. There is Levitical law that talks about that. Um, but if you were going to take wheat, you had to do things to it. You couldn't just take wheat and lay wheat on the altar. You had to grind it into flour. You had to mingle it or pour oil upon it and frankincense upon it. In second, uh, or again in Leviticus 2, you had to make either unleavened cakes or you had to impart it in pieces with additional oil, or you had to put it in a frying pan. There was like things that had to be done if you were going to bring a meat offering. It's interesting that it was even the word meat. A meat offering, which was that which grew out of the ground. So Leviticus chapter 2, I'd encourage you to look at it to do a little bit of additional study. You could even offer corn, ears of corn, as an offering to the Lord. But there was a specific way to do it. Granted, Leviticus 2 happens well after, way after uh, Cain. But the point that I would argue is that it was arguably an incomplete sacrifice in God's mind. It was an incomplete sacrifice. Now, part of that is you take the fruit, the fruit of the ground, you cut it, and every picture, you know, look, I don't know what, what actually happened, but every picture is that Cain brought this kind of spread before the Lord. And there's no, you know, Scripture doesn't con uh, contradict that. 
but Abel brings the 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 uh, the firstlings of the flock, and there is all sorts of indication that he sacrifices that that he does something to it to prepare it for the Lord. So when you compare that, that the fat thereof, and there's a lot of people that focus on the fat because the fat is a component of sacrifice. But this word fat in the uh, Old Testament Hebrew is the best. He brought the best, the the, the fat thereof. And that, but, but he, as I mentioned already once before, he does that which was already performed by God. God slew the animals to make skins. So either God continued that process and slew, slaying animals for their skins, or Adam did. One of the two things. So now Abel has this pattern of something has to die. And I can take fruit of the ground and it not kill the, the plant, right? Some fruit does. Like if you think of a carrot, you pull it out of the ground, you're killing the plant because you're taking the root. But I can certainly cut off an ear of corn and not kill the plant. Or I could take an apple off of a tree and not kill the tree. Abel, for some reason, knew that the sacrifice had to die. And it was called a more excellent sacrifice in Hebrews 11. This the Greek word in Hebrews 11 is greater. It was a greater sacrifice. It was a better sacrifice. But in the Genesis account, when it said that God had respect, literally means God looked on it. God looked on Abel's sacrifice and arguably didn't look on Cain's sacrifice. So again, I have to embellish a little bit, or I have to fill in some blanks. I don't think I'm too far off, but I want to disclose that I am filling in the blanks. That the two offerings were brought to God. Some people believe they were brought to the cherubims that that protected the gate, you know, that or the uh, protected the tree uh, in Eden. I don't know if that's the case, but but we'll assume that for a moment that one was consumed or accepted by God, it was looked upon by God, and the other was not. It was simply left, or it, God almost kind of ignored it, if I can use that. So this brings us to our next relationship rule. Don't compare yourselves to others for good or bad. In this moment, Cain is frustrated that Abel's sacrifice is accepted and his is not. He compares himself to Abel, but what he needed to do was figure out how God would accept his sacrifice. That's the, that's the sim simple nature of it. 2 Corinthians 10, 12, For we dare not make ourselves uh, of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they're measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves. Those are not wise, or those that do that are not wise. So literally, where they stood in Cain's countenance, God asks him three questions. Where are, why art thou wroth? Probably frustrated over the fact that he has tilled the ground, the sweat of his brow, and he has brought these things, and it was yet disappointment at the conclusion of it. It was not good enough. Now, there is some implications based on Levitical law, again, that follows, in Leviticus 5, 7 through 13, that that it was, I would argue, a, 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 that Cain withheld from the Lord. I think we have time. Go ahead and turn to Le Leviticus 5, 
Um, Leviticus 5, 7 through 17. You're probably in, in Genesis there. So, um, Leviticus 5. And it's interesting that God allows this. God permits this in the Levitical law. Leviticus 5, start in verse 7. And if he be not able to bring a lamb, so the person that needs to make their relationship right with God, if he cannot bring a lamb, then he shall bring for his trespass, which he hath committed, two turtle doves. Now, now granted, this is Leviticus. It's after. It's for very specific. But God gives permission or a pathway for those who do not have lambs. He says you can bring two turtle doves, and he shall bring them and sprinkle of blood and offer for the second offering. But notice down in verse 11, but if he not be not able to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, then he that sinneth shall bring for his offering the tenth part of an ephah of fine flour. So literally there's a progression from a lamb to turtle doves or pigeons to a fruit of the ground. So this is implying that possibly Cain didn't have livestock. It says he was a tiller of the ground. Could he have traded for a lamb? Certainly. Could he have traded or, or potentially captured something like two turtle doves? Yeah, he arguably could have. Now, again, I'm not trying to put Levitical law on Cain that didn't exist, but my point is that what God looks as an end result of the insufficiency of what man can bring is what Cain started with. And I think that's important. And he says, why is thy countenance fallen? God didn't cast him away. God didn't say, get out of here with that corn offering. Get out of here with those turnips, which actually can't get blood out of a turnip is where this concept comes from, right? He didn't cast him away. He didn't say, I, you, you sicken me, leave. I'm going to spew thee out of my mouth. God, there's no record that God responds to Cain that way. It's simply that he accepted Abel's offering and didn't accept Cain's offering. And as a result, he says, if thou doest well, won't you be accepted? If you do well, won't you be accepted? And I think this is really what gets to the, to the heart of the matter. It's pretty simple. Do right and you'll be accepted now. Oh, you do. This is like the first time we've done that. And, and you do accept that offering. You don't accept this one. Well, I'm going to get me a lamb. I'm going to get me a sheep. Like we can deal with this. I know the rules of the road. The people that I interact with in my work, there are plenty of times where my boss has, over the years, my different bosses, but even my current boss has asked me to do something. And I do it based on, I give it my all, I do it, and he said, he or she, because I've had female bosses too, say, that's not what I was after. You have a choice. You can pout and get frustrated or say, how did I misunderstand you? How can I meet your expectations? Like, yeah, I put a lot of work into it, but it probably wasn't completely for naught. It probably gets me closer to where I'm going. Cain had every opportunity, according to the interaction that's documented in Scripture, to choose right. Should His response should have been like 2 Samuel 19.38, And whatsoever thou shalt require of me, that will I do for thee. Like that should have been his response. But it, but, but it wasn't. It wasn't. He could have done right now. 
but he chose not to. So how did it affect him, Cain's calculation? It's better that Abel's not around because his offering was accepted. I mean, talk about twisted logic. I did a little bit of research. I'm no psychiatrist or psychologist by a long shot, but I came across this study, relational entitlement and proprietariness scale. So they try to are trying to package this scale around people that say things like, if I can't have the kids, you can't have them either. And they end up killing their kids. You know, this really wacky concept where, you know, families don't just break down where it ends up in murder, you know, murder-suicide situations. If I can't have you, no one will have you kind of thing. That's a, that, I mean, look, psychology and psychiatry mostly is just putting labels on things that people observe, uh, and they, they admit that. But instead of making things right, he makes them worse. If I can't have a good relationship with God, if he's not accepting my offering, there's no way I'm going to let you bring another good offering. How weird and wacky is that? So he kills Abel. He kills him. He commits premeditated murder. And then as a result, I believe of that, as a result of his reaction to God, to God's comments, as a reaction of God's not accepting his, his uh, sacrifice, we see a couple of references in the New Testament. Jude 10 and 11. In these things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. They corrupted themselves by choice because of the way they reacted to the expectations set before them by God. The problem isn't the sacrifice. The problem is the response to the sacrifice. And John 15, 9, I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So back to our relationship concept, right? Back to our relationship concept, our rule number three, some will hate you for doing good. Abel is the one that's memorialized in Hebrews chapter 11 for doing good. Some will hate you simply because they do not have the capacity to do so, okay? The doing good, right? They don't have the capacity to do good. Cain didn't have the capacity to do good. He chose wrong. So in, John, in 1 John 3, 12 and 13, not as Cain, who was of that, uh, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother, Right? That's the problem. His response to the not accepted sacrifice. Because his works were evil and his brother's righteousness, marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. He slew him because his works uh, were evil and his brother's righteous. They were accepted versus not accepted. So marvel not if the world hate you. So our, our first relationship situation is you've got to do right. Like Abel shouldn't have changed a thing. Yes, he was killed, but he did the right thing before the Lord. He did the things that he was supposed to in the way that he believed he was supposed to be doing them. And in his case, it ended up being he he, he ended up being killed for it. But praise the Lord. You know, it's they they in several of the commentaries, and I'll wrap this up. They said Abel was the first per, was the first to die, right? It's not true. He was the first human to die. But the, the, the animals that were slain for the skins and the animal that was slain for the sacrifice, they were the first to die. 
<clears throat> so while Abel was the first martyr, the first human to die, he was not the first one to commit a, to be a sacrifice, okay? And that's the real focus that I want you to walk away from here today. Two things, do the right thing. But if God, for some reason, doesn't bless what you're doing, figure out what you need to do to get the blessing. Like, don't get bitter toward God and certainly don't get bitter toward your brother or sister. So with that, I'm going to close. We have a couple of guests uh, that have just joined us. Um, Eric and Lacey. Do I have that right? Eric and Lacey. Um, last name, help me. Brown. Yep. It's a hard, super complicated name. Uh, it's really, it's hard to spell even. Uh, Eric and Lacey Brown are here from Michigan. They're going to share a little bit uh, about uh, the mission and uh, the, their mission field in um, in Ireland and uh, their preparations to go. Now I tried to, and then we'll uh, we'll pray to close here in just a minute. I tried to pull this up on the uh, on the computer here, but I didn't have any success. You actually downloaded it when you did that? I did, but I don't... They would, so it should have gone into your download folder. Yeah. Oh, get it so. <laughs> but then it did that. Oh yeah, it did come down as an actual PTX file. So it's a, a key keynote file, right? Uh, or no? I said, I, I thought I had a PowerPoint. It, it's not a big deal. You don't have to stare at me instead of all the beauty of Ireland, but that's all right. Okay. Yeah, well, why don't, why don't you start, and I'll okay. see what I can do uh, with that.